Good morning, everyone. Great to be here. Good morning. Just move this out of the way. I promise this wasn't me. I didn't move any of this stuff. It was all Blake. So blame him if you don't like it. It'd be great to have your Bibles open at Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Uh, let's pray. Let's ask for God's help as we come to his word this morning. Father, we thank you that you're a God who speaks. You haven't left us in the dark. And as we look into this amazing little passage, would you open the eyes of our hearts to the truth, illuminate us by your Holy Spirit, that we might see Jesus Christ and him crucified, that we might see the true wisdom in him. We pray. Amen. Well, what do you think of this? Clever people get better jobs, make more money and have better lives. What do you think? Maybe, maybe true. Makes sense. If you've got brains, then things seem to work out better for you. You make better decisions. But not according to the Times newspaper in the UK who reported that clever people are not actually very clever. Here's the, the article. It's entitled, Clever People Are Easier to Con. And apparently... They're getting conned out of their money more than the rest of us. It reads, doctors, architects, engineers and other white-collar professionals are being conned by email fraudsters who lure them into contributing to fake ventures after taking their details from conference sites. It goes on, a report on email scams indicates that high-achieving professionals are frequently defrauded, contrary to the widely held belief that the poorly educated and financially desperate are the most vulnerable. So it turns out clever people are actually not very clever at all, are they? The world would say, the more knowledge you have, the better life you'll have, the better decisions you'll make. And more than that, highly educated people seem to be on a different level, don't they? We somehow look at them differently. Education seems to be something worth devoting our lives to. And that is the question that we are looking at this morning. Is education the answer to our problems? The question is, can wisdom and knowledge give us lasting meaning in our lives? If you are here last week, you know that the big idea of Ecclesiastes is where do you find meaning and true, the deep desires of your hearts? And straight away, the teacher, who we're told is the king of all Israel... Tells, is a spoiler alert, he tells us straight away, everything is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. And I said last week, that word meaningless, it's uh, literally a vapour that comes out of your mouth on a cold morning. It's not cold today, so it didn't happen. But remember winter, it was a long time ago now. Out it comes, and then it's gone. That's what it is, it's vapour, it's pointless, meaningless. And now the teacher's turning to areas of life to test this theory, to show us that this is true. And he tests wisdom and knowledge this morning. And the key thing in Ecclesiastes is this phrase, under the sun. What it means is, if you were just to look out into the world and try and make sense of the world as you see it, without a special word from God, what would you find? And under the sun, clearly, worldly wisdom cannot save us. Two things we see. It can't fix anything, and it actually leads to death. Have a look at verse 13 in your Bibles. Ecclesiastes 1, verse 13, it says, 
I applied myself to study, to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. That under heaven, that's another way of saying under the sun. Just looking out there without a special word from God. I applied myself to study. Literally this says, I devoted myself to study. It's giving his all. This isn't the last minute cramming that some of us are well known for. It is the deep devotion of to study. Now, the motto of UWA, does anyone know the motto of UWA? Seek wisdom. Thank you. And a few of us went there. I went there. I sought wisdom and I saw some people devote themselves to it. They were mature age students usually. But <laughs> some others as well. So some were devoting themselves to it. And I saw another group that devoted themselves to Tavern and Pool Table 101. Now, guess which one I was? You can ask my wife later. Study Hard and Seek Wisdom Group or Tavern and Pool Table 101. Well, the teacher is in the first camp. He's in devotion to study. And it's not a happy quest. Did you see it? Verse 13. Have a look. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I've seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, are chasing after the wind. Why? What is twisted cannot be straightened. Often the things in inverted commas in the Bible are the very important bits, and this is true here. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. Did you see? Everything's out of whack, isn't it? It doesn't work. If you look out there and try and use your brain to work it out by wisdom, everything's crooked and can't be straightened. Everything's not the way it ought to be. I can't understand. Why does that happen? Why does that happen? Why is there enough land in the world for everyone to have a home, but the nations are fighting? Why is there enough food in the world for everyone to eat, but there are starving people everywhere? Why do people kill each other because of what they believe? Why do famous people spend their lives making us laugh and then kill themselves because they're so depressed? Things are crooked, they're out of whack, they don't make sense. Literally, in one version, it says it's an unhappy business God has given to the children of man. Did you see that? This burden has been given by God. What? He did this? That's what it says, doesn't it? Have another look there. What an unhappy business, what a heavy burden God has given to the children of man. Why has he given it? Well, last week we looked at Romans 8, which is the key verse for us. Have a look. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. That's God. Why? In hope that the creation itself will set, be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain what? The freedom of the glory of the children of God. God has subjected our world to frustration, futility. Remember that word frustration in Romans 8 here, or futility, is the exact same word in Ecclesiastes, meaningless. Why has God done it? In hope that we would be set free from our bondage to decay. Can, so, back it up a little. Can you see why worldly wisdom won't save us? 
Because if you pursue it as the thing that you think is going to solve the, the problems of the world, you're butting head with God. You're butting heads with God. Worldly wisdom can't fix anything. But the teacher wants to push it a bit further. Did you see there? He pushes even, he doubles down into wisdom. Have a look in verse 16. I said to myself, I've increased in wisdom more than anyone who ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. I applied myself, literally this is, he applied his heart. He gave his all to this, to what? Understanding of wisdom and also madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes what? Much sorrow. And with more knowledge comes what? More grief. The teacher pursues wisdom to its fullest. If it won't work, maybe he'll try madness and folly. So he goes the absolute other direction. Maybe I'll just be a complete fool for a bit. It doesn't work either. It's like a chasing after the wind. Worldly wisdom can't save us. It can't fix anything. I challenge you after this, go and have morning tea and then go down to City Beach and chase some wind. See how you go. That people will look at you and go, you're a fool. That looks silly. That's what he's saying. If you go after worldly wisdom, you're like going down the beach and chasing wind. Because you're butting heads with God. Worldly wisdom can't fix anything. You might have heard this little thing, it's called the internet. We did that, didn't we? We used our brains to make up this special thing called the internet. It's a modern thing and now we can talk to people. I was talking to someone a little while ago in California. I could see him and he could see me. We did that. We made that up. Uh, and it works really well, doesn't it? We uh, made up this idea, the internet, but what's happened? More pornography is viewed than ever before, more money stolen than ever before, more people are conned than ever before, because with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledge, the more grief. It can't fix anything. But it also leads to death. If you've got your Bibles open, flick to chapter 2. We're going to go into there because he comes back to wisdom and madness and folly. Chapter 2 from verse 12. If you haven't got your Bibles, just listen. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can a man do who comes after the king? Only what is done before. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there's more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so wise? I said in my heart, this also is meaningless. For the wise as the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. All is meaningless, a striving after the wind. Can you feel this guy's pain? He hated life. Have you ever got to that point where life is unbearable? This guy is there just from pursuing wisdom. 
he, he's at the end of his rope. This doesn't make sense. It's all a waste of time. Why? Because everyone's going to die. Just if you're wise, you're a fool, the clever guy, the not so clever, under the sun, God's judgment on sin, whether you've got a lot of degrees, you've got a high-paying job, or you don't. There's one big level. The thing we already know, but we need to be reminded of, the reason why in the end worldly wisdom under the sun is meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. It's like that vapour in a cold morning is that the wise and the fool die. The same event happens to them both. In verse 15, it hits him personally. Did you see it? He said to, in his heart, what happens to the fool is going to happen to me too? Why am I so wise? At my house, stuffed in a box, I don't even know where it is, is a degree from UWA for neurosurgery. And no, it's not mine. I haven't got a little bit of neurosurgery going on on the side. It's my dad's. Uh, He's dead now. He died when I was very little. But there it is, under the drawer, in the drawer, a degree in neurosurgery that represented wisdom and knowledge and prestige and honour What's it worth now? Nothing. It's the degree of a dead man. What happens to our wisdom, our education, our degrees, our certificates, our learning on the job? Nothing. We leave it in the grave. Worldly wisdom can't save us and it leads to death. And you think, man, I came to church today. This is depressing stuff. You'd be right. That's what Ecclesiastes does. It rips open our world. God is ripping open our world and saying, that's not the place to pursue. But then it leaves us ready, doesn't it? Because there is a wisdom, and most of us know it, under the sun, under Jesus. God's wisdom saves us. Christ crucified is God's wisdom to fix everything. And Christ crucified leads to life forever. I've got it up on the screen, but you can flick to it if you want. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul, the Christian leader, is uh, writing to the Christians in Corinth, and he nails it about God's wisdom for us. Listen to this. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Because they're all dead, right? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Jews demand a sign, Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Greeks, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, what? Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Did you see? In the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. Do you get that? That's the way God worked it. It was his wise plan that the world did not know him through their wisdom. That's his wise plan. That's Ecclesiastes, isn't it? But God has broken in. 
The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power, the wisdom of God. Why is Christ and him crucified God's wisdom? Let's mine that down a little bit because that's, that's the key, isn't it? At the cross, God breaks into our world and says, you're not clever enough to work this out. I'll do it. At the cross, God breaks into our world and says, I will take the frustration, the futility, the brokenness, the meaningless of sin, and I'll kill it. So it is of no power on you ever again. That sounds like the wisest thing I've ever heard. Don't you agree? At the cross, God says, you see this world frustrated, full of futility, everything's on repeat, meaningless, generations come, generations go. I fix it. I make it new. You see no meaning at the cross, I give you the deepest desires of your hearts. You see everything's on repeat, I make everything new and last forever. At the cross, God takes what is crooked and straightens it forever. At the cross, God takes what is lacking in you and in me and counts it full. Do you get it? God's wisdom saves us. You see, what's the difference between worldly wisdom and God's wisdom? Worldly wisdom is, is knowledge. It's knowing stuff, right? That's what worldly wisdom is. Knowledge versus wisdom. True wisdom is actually using knowledge to achieve something. So knowledge says tomatoes are not a, a vegetable. And wisdom says don't put tomatoes in a fruit salad. You get it? Do you see what that means? God is saying, I've shown you true wisdom in my son Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Here's the summary in 1 Corinthians 1.30. If you're a Christian, this is for you, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God. Our righteousness our sanctification, our redemption. That is true wisdom. You want to be wise? Become in Christ. Unite yourself to his death and resurrection and you will receive righteousness. He will make you right even when you're in the wrong. You will receive sanctification. He will make you clean. You will receive redemption. The price will be paid for your sin and that is true wisdom from above. He has become to us wisdom. So the question to finish up with, is that you? Are you in Christ Jesus? Has he become to you wisdom from God? Is he your righteousness, your sanctification, your redemption? Two things for us as Christians. One, embrace 
the now and set your hope on the not yet. Because we live in a world where worldly wisdom will pull at you and tug you and say, this is the best, know more, achieve more, be successful. We are in overlap land, the now and the not yet, where there's worldly wisdom and God's wisdom at play in our lives every single day. So if you're a Christian, embrace the tension. That is the world we live in. But don't freak out when it gets difficult. It's, it's, that's normal. But secondly, embrace Jesus Christ every day. Make sure he is your wisdom. If you're not yet a Christian, and there might be some amongst us who are not sure where you stand with Jesus at the moment, there's a couple of quick things for you as we finish. Firstly, can you see that this is true? Look out in the world and see, this world is broken. You can't fix it. It's crooked. You can't straighten it. It's frustrating. It's full of pain and sorrow and death. Our brains cannot fix that. And secondly, see God's wisdom in Christ crucified. All that frustration, all that pain, all that death can't be fixed with our brains, but is fixed with Jesus Christ. See God's wisdom in Christ. All of it is fixed at the cross. Don't leave it too late. We're not clever enough to save ourselves, but God is. We're not able to fix the problems, but God does. We're not wise enough to save ourselves, but God has. So embrace Christ and him crucified. You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your wisdom that has cracked into our world. We thank you that in Christ alone we are saved. Father, help us to live with that tension, knowing that we live in a world that esteems that worldly wisdom, learning. We know that's not a bad thing, Father, but may it not be our all. May we turn to you each day in repentance and faith, and may we be able to say to you, Jesus, you are our wisdom, you are our righteousness, you are our sanctification and our redemption. We thank you and praise you in your powerful name. Amen. 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 And we're going to sing now about he is our vision, he is our wisdom. And so we're going to sing this loudly.